Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we discuss books outside of our comfort zones. I'm Anna, and I almost said the book where we discuss podcasts outside of our comfort zones. And I'm Em. Okay, guys. So this week, we're talking about Garbage Girl books. This is a new unit that is kind like it's it's not exactly a submission unit in the way that like the other ones we've done have been in that it's not like someone was mm-hmm. like you should read this genre. We said we wanted books that might fit this genre and some people very kindly sent us suggestions. Yes. Yes, it was a call out and you supplied. Thank you. And uh the the genesis of this was when we read um Naomi Novak's Spinning Silver, we discussed Garbage Boys in that in the sense of Sometimes there are characters, especially in romances, and I kind of might be leaning towards it has to be a romance, um, in which the boy is trash, but in such a way that you still love him. And the three Mm -hmm. archetypal garbage boys that we came up with were uh, type one, the Rochester, which is a garbage boy who is just a dramatic garbage boy and doesn't have like a reason for being that way really and is he just just trash. is society gave him the space to be that exactly way. <laughs> um type two the Heathcliff which is he has some sort of trauma in his past that might justify his garbage behavior but it is still mm-hmm. still garbage behavior um and type three the Darcy which is he is socially awkward and so you misunderstood his behavior to be garbage but really you're just coming from two different places which is the top tier garbage boy yes yes miscommunication garbage yes. boy. socially awkward garbage boy is the garbage boy we most want to see um yes so we asked for for garbage girl books because this is to me it's really interesting to think like is this a trope that can that can be flipped gender wise because it is kind of a very gendered thing and I have some experience with that in real life in that both of my brothers were what one might call garbage boys and I had to hear constantly about various people who just loved them and thought that they were so mysterious and broody in high school well I'm talking about like high school Um, yeah yeah yeah. I, I don't know about right now I don't think they have these vibes currently but in high school they were both like A lot of people were like, they're so dark and mysterious and broody. What? Yes. Hold on. This is the thing I heard about both of them. Hold on. Especially Mark. Like, for real. I gotta do a big reveal here. I'm married to one of these supposedly dark and mysterious men. I wouldn't say Michael was so much. Michael wasn't so much dark and mysterious. More his vibe was like. I'm trying to think how to explain it, but it was definitely garbage boy of like pretentious. He's mean, and I like that about him. Was like his <laughs> sarcasm, right? Like that okay, was yes, yeah. That was where people were coming from. That he was untouchable in some way, and I also put out those vibes of being a sarcastic asshole. And let me tell you, it doesn't play as well for women. You just get called a bitch. Yeah, exactly. As someone also in this t- category of, I don't know if you're joking or not whenever you talk. And spoiler alert, I always am. I just I just don't change my tone of voice at all. So I, I really am interested to see if we can find a true garbage girl amongst the yes. refuse. Um, so our first foray into this was uh, Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. Okay, so what do you think? Is this a garbage girl? Okay. If if we had to go with the things that we've already set up as our mm-hmm. different categories, if Eleanor is a garbage girl, she's a Heathcliff mm-hmm. garbage girl. Yes. There is Eleanor is 
got some problems that she has never sought out help with stemming from a traumatic childhood experience. And her whole life has been shaped by this event and well, not just the one event, but the whole the whole sequence of events leading up to the traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. Um are you the the thing the thing with Eleanor is are you does no one ever loving you make you and no, not knowing how to interact with people because you have never tried make you a garbage girl here's my thought i think she's not not because a garbage girl couldn't have this backstory in the mode of a heathcliff but because she's the main character i think that's the Mm. issue i think that this is when we're talking about garbage boys it's almost always love interest this is kind of what i was alluding to that it's it's someone who is the appeal of it is um the per the the main character getting to know them and under like cutting through the garbage. Getting to know you, <laughs> and to some extent, uh, the king and I is I think another garbage boy. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. Also, I, mean, he's I learned in, he's I, in the Rochester vein in which he doesn't have an excuse. Society has just enabled him. <laughs> I've heard like some very interesting things. Like that movie is banned in uh, Thailand mm-hmm. because. Because it's know, a it, racist it, mess. Yeah. Well, that and also <laughs> bec- I had I had heard, and I don't know if this is accurate because I saw this on Twitter, but that like the monarchy mm-hmm. in Thailand is very like, uh, I think like the closest we get to like seeing the like uh, like ordained by God sort of mm-hmm. they, like they are they take like the whole submissiveness towards royalty very extreme. And again, I just heard this on Twitter, so don't take it. Don't take my word for it. You know what? We don't even talk about it. It's fine. I'm done. My only anecdote. Let's cut all of that. My <laughs> only anecdote about the king. No, I'm keeping some of it in because I want to tell the story. My only okay. anecdote about the king and I is that uh, when I was young, my grandparents paid for our whole family to go on a cruise, and the animated King and I was one of the only movies that they showed on the cruise. So I watched that about 18 times because there was oh nothing for us to do on this cruise as children. So we just stayed in our room and watched the King and I animated series. Oh my God. Or animated movie. Oh, incredible. Anyway, so this book, I think it's not not a true garbage girl unless you are going really meta and saying Uh that the the garbage girl or garbage person, garbage folk uncovering process is not in a romance between the two characters, but between the reader and the main character, which Mm. I don't really agree with because I... I don't know if this was how you felt about this book, but I instantly, I did not hate Eleanor at any point. Like there was a moment that mm. I thought I might, but I was like, imme- pretty immediately, like I must protect this 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 baby from the <laughs> Eleanor, world. Eleanor needs a very good friend, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad Raymond was there. Uh, I agree. I did not feel like Eleanor was unlikable like you could tell that what she was doing was rubbing people the wrong way but being in her interior monologue you're like oh no honey yeah (laughs) it was it was really like i really wanted to beat some people up in this book i was oh i was never were assholes right i was never like eleanor's the problem i was like eleanor has a different way of thinking about things and people don't aren't taking the time to understand that 
Um, yes. So yeah, like I, to me, this, I'm very sorry, Celine. I did enjoy this book. I don't think we've said that. I did enjoy this book. I was, I was a little bit torn if I, whether or not I liked it because there was a lot of things working against mm-hmm. it for me, but I did like Eleanor though. I, I feel like there's some things that we'll get into that are working against it on kind of the cultural scale of like, is this a problem? Um, yes. But also I felt like reading this, I was like, oh, Anna's not going to enjoy this book because it's I was so very sad. So many times. I It took me so long to read this like 300 something page mm-hmm. book. Kindle was like, you'll finish this in four hours. And it took me like, 12 at least i had to like i was like i cannot the scene i cannot eleanor I, ooh, you said it you did the thing i have to put the book down meanwhile i started it last night at like 11 30 and didn't put it down it, it hits very much the same sort of vibes as um crazy ex-girlfriend which is mm-hmm. as i think i've discussed on here before like one of my favorite tv shows um which is also i believe a tv tv show you've said you've you don't like because of I have the, such a hard time watching it. because of the secondhand embarrassment angle. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Everything that happens to, uh, Rebecca, uh, Rebecca. I was like, is it Rachel or Rebecca? I know. <laughs> Rebecca. Uh, I, Oh, it may, Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't deal well with secondhand embarrassment at all. <laughs> Meanwhile, I crave, I crave that secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> I feel like I just really enjoy emotional lows because of like, the roller coaster of it all. Like I really like when books are just incredibly sad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I prefer to feel no emotion except <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> That's it. That's all decadence, I allow in decadence my life. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> and beauty. Beauty, uh, delicious food. That's an emotion. Luxuriate in each other's bodies. <laughs> Things that are aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. to my eye. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here like, yes, give me the trauma porn. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, this one was extremely traumatic. Mm-hmm. I think this again, we have to have like the um, content content warning. warning at the top for this book because uh, there's a lot going on with like childhood abuse, childhood neglect. Um, there's some references of sexual assault we might get into. Yes. Yes, an abusive relationship, suicide, alcoholism, um, all kinds of stuff. Basically, so. if, if you have any sort of, uh, if there's any sort of possibility that any anything relating to trauma might be upsetting to you, yes, maybe turn Child this death. turn this one off and go take a nice yes, bath. This, Self care. This is not uh, the 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 blurb. On this book would have you believe that this is like oh i was so uh, misled <laughs> yes like a rom-com or even just like a nice contemporary like uh, almost like a coming of age but like you know that quarter life coming of age sort of thing even the it's title not- i was thinking this was going to be very like bridget jones sort of vibe like yes eleanor oliphant is completely fine oh she's yes you know cutting loose on the town and she's so quirky and it's like nope it's not that <laughs> nope Actually, everything is not fine. <laughs> it was a lie the whole time. It was all a lie to draw you in. Um, I did enjoy Eleanor's voice, though. Mm. I really liked... Uh, there, I mean, there's a lot of times where I was like, you know what, Eleanor? Yeah, you're right. That is how people should behave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you do I'm have glad a point. you said something about Raymond smoking all the time. 
<laughs> or like just other things. That's just what came to mind first. But so we've kind of said who we would not recommend this book for. Um, but who would you recommend this book for if you were to recommend it? I guess like people who if you are looking for something like a unique point of view, a unique a unique main character. Um, I mean, she's not quirky. She's very she's just very unique. And I, I think we're going to get into a further discussion later about why that may or may not be. Hmm. Um, it, it's, it's a contemporary literary fiction character study. Uh, and if that's what you like with a little trauma sprinkled in a lot of trauma sprinkled in dumped in everywhere, this book is for you. I, I did, I did enjoy a lot of this book. Um, but again, I have my own issues that kept me from fully enjoying it. So <laughs> I feel like if you're the type of person like me who enjoys feeling gut punched by a book where it'll just be like a totally innocuous sentence and then something extremely sad sprinkled in, but in a way that is like very nonchalant, you yeah. might enjoy this book. Oh my gosh. Yes. The, oh, the amount of times Eleanor just expects people to be okay with what she has said is heartbreaking. <laughs> She's like, but that's completely normal. I'm like, no. no! <laughs> um, that being said, the summary for this book is a little bit difficult to do, as a lot of them have seemed to be lately. This is like, it's a character study. There's not a ton of plot going on. It's Eleanor discovering things about herself and about other people, um, like the fact that they don't suck and that it's okay to like other people. Um, it's very quiet, so. My notes are very sparse on this one. So fill it fill it up with your commentary. Please. I will do my best, but I feel like my general tone of commentary is maybe not suited to this incredibly depressing book. <laughs> yes. So we'll see how oh this gosh. goes, Shang. <laughs> Sorry if this episode is 30 minutes long and not funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the plus side, we've already talked for 15 minutes up top. So oh, bless. <laughs> we only have so good. another 15 We're to so go. So good at bullshitting. <laughs> Also, I wrote, I hand wrote my notes like a fucking weirdo because <laughs> I was like, I haven't written anything down pen to paper in like years. So <laughs> let me make sure that still works. <laughs> now, it hasn't been that long, like, <laughs> but it just felt like it had been a long time. So if you hear my paper, Ooh, that's why. ASMR. I'm fucking weird. Eleanor is completely fine with her life at the moment. That's the title of the book almost, guys. Um, she does the same thing every day, every week, wears one of two alternating outfits every day, eats the same food, um, has been working in the same job for the past nine years just because why not? It's a job even though it doesn't pay well and she doesn't seem to really like it. She doesn't have, have any have friends. You have to attack me in this way. <laughs> I wasn't thinking it, but the fact that it was forefront on your mind. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, she doesn't have any friends. She doesn't really think anyone is worthy of her attentions in that way. She, uh, the only person she really talks to outside of work is her mummy, who she talks to on Wednesday evenings for a few minutes every night or every Wednesday, and then for the weekends she just she gets like a whole bottle of vodka and drinks it until she sleeps or passes out and that's how she spends her weekends very sad very upset that you know she has nothing to do nowhere to go so she's her her life is very same same and she hates when it deviates from this plan 
Uh, she gets very worked up about it. But one night she wins tickets to some charity function and she invites one of her coworkers that hates her to go with her because she like in her mind she's like I picked the youngest person in the office to go with me because I thought they would be the most likely to enjoy the music that was being played um and also would be most comfortable at this type of venue but then that person in their mind is like I this girl is weird I don't know why she invited me I've never talked to her before did she think it was a date blah 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 uh, but she goes and she the first act uh, is some band, and the lead singer, Johnny, immediately, Eleanor falls in love with him upon seeing him. Very and Prince Eric. Yes, yes. she Dancing takes, upon the ship with his flute. <laughs> pretty much, yes, with all those <laughs> other men and the dog and everything. I mean, you know, who wouldn't? Who, as, as a mermaid coming to the surface... Seeing humans for the first time who wouldn't immediately devote themselves to yeah. the first one they saw. That wasn't like a gross sailor who had like scurvy. I mean. Yes, exactly. He was a prince. <laughs> she could have done worse. Um, But Johnny is everything that Eleanor's mummy said she needs to look for in a partner. He's well-dressed. He has a very symmetrical face. Mm. <laughs> That's about that's it. All, that's about it. He sings well, I guess. Uh, so she immediately leaves to go do some research on this guy, but she doesn't have a laptop or a cell phone or anything at home. Like, <laughs> Oh, and she also decides, so she's going to get all those things so she can like do research on this guy, and she's also going to work on her own self-improvement. Um, so she's going to like – she. I think at this point she starts to recognize, like, okay, so like – you know, I'm a little bit dowdy, maybe. I wear I wear these Velcro work shoes every day, and I, uh, you know, I dress the same way. So if, if I'm going to be a rock star's paramour, then I need to maybe get my hair cut or try to get a manicure or something. So she has a little, a few forays into that realm of uh, beauty maintenance and upkeep. And then Eleanor meets Raymond who is the new IT guy at work. And Raymond is just, like, the nicest. Did you like Raymond? I loved Raymond. I did like Raymond. I felt confused, conflicted towards Raymond at the beginning because I, although I was like, everyone needs to be nice to Eleanor, Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, but why is he being so nice to Eleanor right off the bat? Like... (laughs) He definitely is a little, he's kind of like Manic Pixie Dream Boy a little bit, right? A like, little bit. Where it's yeah, like the way he that just Eleanor describes him. Comes into her life and teaches her about love and being a person and very much like described as a hipster sort. Also. <laughs> I, see, I was getting more like, like, uh, less hipster, more, um, Gamer, gamer bro, honestly. Or Chris McDowd from IT Crowd sort mm. of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I could see that too. I think I was mostly influenced by like his choice of cafe that they oh, go to yeah, all the time. Oh, yeah, that's true. Seemed a little bit hipstery, but gamer also. I was thinking sense. more of his yeah. t-shirts with references to various cultural things. Oh, that's right. The Breaking Bad shirt yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's so nice. He, I, they, they kind of get off on wrong foot because Eleanor is very abrasive person to speak with especially when you don't know her at all and she 
tends to make these assumptions about how conversations should work based on what her mother taught her um, that don't always carry over into modern society. Like <laughs> she, she definitely has a very uh, formal way of speaking in general, which and mm-hmm. you know this gets addressed directly when she's talking about like their text back and forth, how she talks more formally than he does. But like it is, I feel like that would be very off-putting uh, to mm-hmm. meet someone who is like, yes, sir, how are you today? My name is Miss Eleanor Oliphant. Like that kind of like, you'd yes, be like, just- okay, what, like, why are you, like it could come off as putting on airs, which I think is kind yes. of what her coworkers feel like she's doing, that she's like, weird and like think she's above them you know mm-hmm. and but also she does think that too a little bit mm. with some of her coworkers. yeah that's like, true Raymond she lets into her heart but like the she, others she's like she's they're like, all fucking idiots they're all just the worst like <laughs> they're terrible what's her name makes a dry cake <laughs> I have to contribute to all these like wedding presents and baby shower gifts and I hate it I don't know these people I don't want to give them money which fair um <laughs> Um. Yeah, so Raymond fixes her computer. Um, and then they and then they start to kind of. I think Raymond extends an invitation to her for something, or maybe they just bump into each other outside of work. I don't really remember how this part goes, but they are walking um outside after work one day, and um they both witness an older gentleman. Um, collapse. He has. I don't remember what they said. It was um some health complication where he collapses in the road and they're the only ones around. So they call the um, paramedics and they come out and they take him and essentially they save his life because there was nobody else around. And I love this part because Eleanor was very much like, um, I I have things to do. I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't want to have to like <laughs> be here. There's paramedics are here. I'm going to go now. Like he's passed out. Why do I need to keep talking to him? And, or why do I need to bring his groceries to the hospital? He's obviously not going to use them. <laughs> like, I don't know. I was like, this is all very relatable, Eleanor. <laughs> See, and I I love this part because Eleanor, in trying to dial 911 or whatever the Scottish equivalent of that is, um, is like, oh, like has a panic attack and is like, I can't do this again. Yes. Like, I can't talk to uh, a dispatcher. Ho- like, I can't talk yeah. to doctors again. And basically – it, it becomes clear that something very traumatic has happened in Eleanor's past, and that was some very sad shit. Yes. So I was here for that. Yeah, you know? I thought I really liked the way that the author um, kind of sprinkled these little, like, the hints. Because you do mm-hmm. go into this book completely, I if you haven't read anything about it, completely oblivious to the fact that this is the type of person Eleanor is and why it has happened to her. And so she's like, th- these little things, it was kind of like, reading a thriller right you're like I want to know more about why Eleanor's yeah. having these experiences and you definitely start to piece most of it together before yes. most of the reveals but it's, it's but very like, like sinister thread throughout the whole book yes and it is like I kind of said at the beginning, like it is very mm-hmm. gut punchy right of like everything's just normal and then like something like this will be dropped in where it's like I couldn't talk to the mm-hmm. paramedics you know and it's like oh fuck like because that immediately like she did it's not holding your hand necessarily like you it doesn't have to be like I couldn't talk to the paramedics because of the time that the paramedics had to take me right you know it's like it leaves kind of that blank space for your Mm -hmm. mind to imagine why that might be and it 
makes it a lot worse, right? Yeah, I thought this was this was such a good example of having like a, a close first person narrative where the narrator is just like not filling in the blanks because it's from her point like you know like from her point of view she wouldn't yeah. sit in her head and be like oh I remembered the time that I you know the paramedics came and talked to me after the event you know like it was just like yeah this is this is my thinking right now and I really enjoy that I, I feel like you don't see that in a ton of the book maybe the books I read I don't know I don't I don't come across that a lot where it seems very genuine and and it does I, I don't know it, it's a little bit unreliable narrator but in a way that like I don't know. It feels, it, it's just very organic feeling. I like it. Mm-hmm. So they go to the hospital. Eventually, Eleanor is is convinced that she does need to go and see this guy and at least return his non-perishable groceries to him. Um, and she, they get to talking to the old man. I think his name is Sammy, Sammy Tom or something like that. Sammy is like one of those people that just automatically assumes you are friends, right? Like, mm-hmm. I always appreciate these kinds of people because getting to know you I do is not. so awkward. You don't? Oh, I love this. No. I love when people are just like, we are friends, and that's that. I am like, why are you being so familiar with me, sir? You have not. <laughs> you are. You have not been introduced. <laughs> <laughs> that's Miss M to you. <laughs> so Sammy immediately is like, thank you so much. You guys saved my life. Um, you are part of the family now. And... They truly are, like, welcomed into the family in a way that I thought – I, as much as I appreciate people like Sammy, I was like, I also don't want to go to all of your family functions. Like This is my point, yes. Family functions are bad enough when it's just your own family, but to go to a complete strange family, like, no thank you. <laughs> That's a thing that, like, I feel like I don't do is go to people's family stuff, and it's always really weird to mm-hmm. me when people invite me to their family stuff. I'm like – why (laughs) I'm not related to you by blood but that might be saying more about like my own family and how I perceive them than like other people's families (laughs) yeah I think this is for me like a weird one because half of me like when I was younger like the Filipino community where I grew up you know we would we all right not related obviously but considered each other family and we would always like the family functions there were just like everybody you Mm. knew but then also the part of like the more western american white people side of me is the same like the same thought like i don't want to intrude on other people's family stuff because that's weird so i see it both ways but this particular like the sad 40th birthday party. I was like, I don't want to fucking go to that. That's dumb. <laughs> like, don't, don't invite me to your son's 40th birthday party where they have a DJ in a sad, like, VA hall. I don't know where it was. It was some, like, sad, sad. I think it was a golf that. course, wasn't it? Maybe, they, yeah, yeah, country was, club golf. Yeah, 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 golf course sort of clubhouse thing. Yeah. It just sounded abysmal, but, Ugh. you know, whatever. Eleanor had a good time, I guess. <laughs> but I guess I also just, like, I'm kind of, like, well, I guess 40th is kind of like some people do that. But in general, I'm like, you're an adult. You don't need to have a birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> also that, yeah, that is a little bit strange. Like I can see getting getting close friends and, and like siblings or parents or whatever together at a pub if you are in the UK or a bar. Yeah. Like a normal person would say here in America. 40th kind of, I guess, because it's like, oh, you're over the hill and that's like a big birthday or whatever. Mm. But Still, I don't know. I'm just like, you're an adult. 
Like, yeah. Were yeah, you going to hire yeah. hire a clown and get a pinata next? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is also like deeply hypocritical coming from me, the adult who's like deeply invested in like avatar and like, that's different though because you're not forcing other people to conform to that that's just you that's like, true i'm not having an avatar themed birthday party oh my gosh okay but if you did mm-hmm. <laughs> yes wouldn't that be just great it would be really good i had nowhere to go with that you asked me to continue and i was like no that was the joke <laughs> how dare how dare i was trying to yes and I guess I didn't really do the and part, did I? I just said, yes, and, question mark, back to and you. And that was it. That's as far as my thought went. What if you had an Avatar-themed birthday party for your next big milestone birthday? I mean, it's coming up. It's My next big milestone birthday's coming up if we get through this COVID shit. I mean, I'm about to be 30. There you go. About to have an Avatar birthday for my 30th birthday party. Oh, my God. I love it. I love Everyone it. has to come uh, in full costume. You have okay. to decide which nation you're part of. Uh huh. I'm Fire Nation, obviously. Because you're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I I say fire, water rising for myself. Like I'm like one of the two, but probably <laughs> fire. We are the same in that, though. Yeah, that we're we're always the evil option. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I understand that for me, it's like some sick compulsion at this point, but I just, it really feels more cool to be on the bad guy side. <laughs> oh, oh no. I always, I want to be the, the, maybe this is because I'm white, but I always want to be from the, the bad guy side, but like the one good one, you know? <laughs> Like, I'm like, there were probably Slytherins who weren't assholes. Yeah, yeah. And the Fire if, Fire Nation is, that's true. You know, Zuko, May. Yeah, yeah. Tylee a little bit at the end. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. I just, I want to know, I just, I don't mind being straight up the bad guy. That's fine. <laughs> y'all, I mean, if we're going with the Harry Potter reference, like, y'all know I'm some sort of Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> you're secretly a Nazi? No, fuck. Yeah, no. <laughs> but their whole vibe is very cool. Anna, you no. cannot deny they look cool while they're doing terrible things. <laughs> and in the end, they were secretly good. Were they? Very secretly. Were very, they? So secretly. They told one lie. I don't think that's secret. Anna, I think we need to talk about what makes someone good or not, because I don't think. They told that one little lie. But they didn't do that for any sort of moral reason. They They did did it for themselves. We're about to start a Harry Potter podcast, which nobody wants or needs in the year of our Lord 2021. That's true. Let's stop giving it airtime. Anyway. They go to a birthday party. (laughs) (laughs) I'm coming as a cabbage. Please do. Please do. <laughs> Where was I? In the, so this is the problem with handwriting. Your notes is you can't really read them easily. Um, Depends how good your handwriting is, I suppose. Not great. Not great. I haven't written in over a year, so it's also not true. I just like addressed your, a bunch of envelopes Your hand muscles day. have like, just atrophied. Pretty much. It hurt. It hurt after I addressed like 10 envelopes. Um. <laughs> anyway, Raymond Raymond kind of picks up on the fact that Eleanor 
is very touched by this, uh, the kindness coming from Sammy. Like he thanks her profusely and he, you know, he just, he just treats her like an individual, like a person. And Eleanor is, get becomes a little emotional about this because it's been a while since anyone has really cared about her. And Raymond kind of picks up on this and he, I guess, I don't know if it was earlier than this, but I think this is kind of the point where it solidifies in his mind that like maybe he should befriend Eleanor. Um, and I, I don't think he's doing this out of like pity or anything. Cause he does genuinely seem to enjoy her company. Um, and he does say later in the book, like, yeah, I did think you were a little bit weird at the beginning, but I drew, I really enjoy your friendship. Um, but he does make more of an effort to be friendly with Eleanor and he takes her, um, out to visit his mom who was like, um, lonely old widow and they get along really well and have a very nice afternoon and he's like constantly inviting her to lunch after that until it becomes part of her routine and they even start to do things together outside of work um and Eleanor slowly starts to become a a more like feeling more complete in her in herself like she Mm. feels like there's something now that has been added to her life that was missing that she didn't realize before um, and that was friendship. Just very sad. <laughs> well, I will say one of the things I liked about this book um, that I think a lot of times books that are dealing with uh, people who are ostracized or who don't feel friendship, like don't have strong friendship connections and whatnot, um, kind of miss the mark on sometimes is like most people are not mean to Eleanor. Like her coworkers suck, especially at the beginning. They kind of come around. Yeah. But for the most part, like, she goes places and she behaves in ways that don't fit the social norms. And most people are not like outright mean to her. They're just confused. Right. That's true. Yeah. And to varying extent, some people are kind of bitchy once, you know, Mm -hmm. it gets into it. But then the way Eleanor is behaving could be perceived by them as bitchy as well. No, I think it's definitely like self-imposed. Like she, she feels like, no one understands her or yes. that they're not worthy of hanging out with her or whatever. Like this is her own issue. For the most part, most of the people she like Sammy and his family and like Raymond's mom and like everyone like kind of picks up that she's not really connecting in the way that is typical mm-hmm. and are perfectly fine adjusting to that. Um, which was nice. You're about to say Oh that, yeah. Like, and she does. She start, opens up to, she also starts to open up to people a little bit and does drop hints of like, I, you know, I never knew my dad. I have a very bad relationship with my mom, which I think people start to put pieces together. Like, okay, so like, you know, we need to, we need to view Eleanor in a different light. Um, Especially Raymond, who might actually go a little bit too far in that he starts to like look up things about Eleanor's past without her permission. But then they have a talk about it and both understand that they like she sets that that boundary and he adheres to it, which was nice. I like I like when people uh, do do things that are bad, but not uh, insurmountable in a friendship where it's like sometimes you don't know that a thing is this hard boundary until you go against it. And then if the person corrects you, the correct thing is to say you're sorry and not do it again, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I This was very nice because I was definitely waiting for that moment where Raymond, where Eleanor and Raymond had like their breakup. I mean, they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. not in a romantic relationship, but like, you know, that parting of ways because yes. of a misunderstanding. I was totally prepared for that. I was like, this part's going to suck. Right. Um, but it never happened because 
they are such good friends that they were able to talk about it, come to come to a solution and move on. And that was very <laughs> refreshing. But also, like the reason I think that Raymond was a little bit more willing to do that is because Eleanor herself says, I don't remember anything about my past trauma like the mm. event I don't know I don't remember what happened and I have asked everyone to keep me in the dark I don't want to know what happened um but when I'm ready we'll do it together so I was like that's sweet but also Raymond watch yourself <laughs> everybody gets one Raymond everybody gets one everybody gets one Raymond and I swear to god if you hurt Eleanor one more time that's it coming you're done you. you're out you're, you're out. out of the club raymond <laughs> you're out of this like one person club <laughs> and then there was no club we dissolve the whole club anyway things kind of progress in this way where you feel like okay eleanor is um she's improving she is you know learning to rely on other people she's still talking to her mom on wednesdays and her mom is getting increasingly nasty um, but also she's doing that weird thing where she's like obsessed with the singer that she saw on stage once and found his home and kind of like creeped on him real hardcore. You get one, Eleanor. You, you get one. You get one. Um, <laughs> so then we get to the next section of the book called The Bad Days. So the first section was called The Good Days, um, which, you know, as you can probably imagine we're not all good but we're trending upward Mm. then we get to the bad days so eleanor through her various internet stalking uh, realizes that this johnny musician guy is having a concert at a club nearby and she has managed to get tickets to it And and johnny the musician boy i should mention we have um gotten some little bits from him in terms of like his Twitter that she's stalking and whatever. Um, and he's probably the closest thing to a trash boy in this book. Yes. Except he seems like he might, or a garbage boy, but he seems like he might be a straight up trash boy, which is like when the, you. You don't want to go to trash. There's no rehab for that. I, you just throw him in there. Doesn't Raven say he's garbage? Maybe. I think someone, I think someone does call this man garbage. Let me see. I don't know, but she does show a picture of him to Raymond at one point, and he's like, that guy looks like a dick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Again, from, like, anyone who has the, the uh, like, awareness of social cues, I think most pick up on the fact that, like, this guy is no good. Yeah. He's, he's not, not in a, not in a like, uh, Eleanor's previous boyfriend who oh, yeah, we was abusive. Yeah. Um, but just in the way of, like, this is a douchey singer who thinks he's way cooler than he is and is way up his own ass, you know? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, he thinks he's hot shit because he's the lead singer of this band, and he leaves the band to pursue a solo career, and then that band gets super famous. <laughs> I liked how they – that uh, that – that was included as like the wrap up. Like, it's like, we didn't really need that for this character who wasn't really in the book, but like they did include the fact that like his life still, his life sucks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't all he was cracked up to be Eleanor. (laughs) The day starts off bad. Uh, This plant that Eleanor has had since childhood dies. Um, And it's like the one thing that has, she was, so after this traumatic event happened, she was with her mother until she was about 10 
and then the traumatic event happened and then she was put into various foster homes Mm -hmm. and then when that didn't work out she was put into like a communal home of some sort yeah yeah um but the plant was the one thing that was with her through those various places and she had been taking care of it but when her social life started existing and she became busy doing things that didn't involve her schedule she had been forgetting to water it and the plant died and so Eleanor kind of internalizes this like hey you know like you you thought you could have something nice but when you did pursue that nice thing something you really cared about died so you fucking suck is basically how that goes in her mind and then she goes to the concert and she gets all dolled up she gets she has um her new haircut that Sammy's daughter does for her uh she gets new clothes from the department store she's looking super cute learns how to do makeup that's the other thing about Eleanor she has a um some facial scarring from the event that happened in her childhood um and she is is never really like made any attempts to cover it up or anything before but then like she learns how to use makeup and I'm not really sure what like the commentary here should be about that but it makes Eleanor feel more confident I think yeah and I think it could come off as like if you have a, a some sort of scar you need to hide it but the people the uh, woman at the makeup counter makes the point that she's just like trying to to lessen the effect and then also Raymond makes the comment of like oh I like you better without all the eye makeup anyway mm-hmm. so yeah I, I think there is enough done to be like it's fine if it makes her, her feel more comfortable, but it's also fine if she necessary. just embraces it. You know, like, either way is fine. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's all just kind of her trying new things out and mm-hmm. seeing what works for her. Um, But, so she's all, she's all dolled up in all her finery, and she goes to the concert, she's in the front row, and she kind of has this epiphany at the concert, like, I'm what I'm doing is wrong like I should not be obsessed with a man I have never talked to before I've seen twice I've been stalking him on social media I'm acting like a teenager and I'm 30 years old this is wrong and Mm. this really sets her back because this is like something that she has been this has been a goal for her what's been driving her to do all of these things essentially is she's going to become more social she's going to become in her mind, you know, like his, what his ideal woman would look like. She's going to, she's going to learn how to become someone who could be the girlfriend and or wife of a rock star. And then she gets there where she's, she's written him a card and she's in the front row and she's like, Ooh, actually no. So she, she has no more, she has nothing else driving her at the moment. And then also the third thing that kind of sets her off at the club is that the lights, whatever their lighting setup is, starts to trigger a flashback in her of the um whatever happened in her childhood so she kind of shuts down she gets extremely drunk and goes through a very depressive suicidal episode um where she doesn't talk to anyone doesn't report in sick to work or anything home alone doing nothing but drinking vodka and she has like the things set up to end her life. Um, this is this was like so. This was a lot. Yeah. Yes. It was a even lot. for me. 
the queen of sad shit, I was like, this is rough. And I mean, obviously, it's supposed to be. Like, yeah. You know, it, it's a very, very uh, upsetting thing to experience. So obviously, reading it is also going to be upsetting and should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like a lot. <laughs> it was, yes, it was so much. And just because, like, he is I mean it's all first person we see like we get the breakdown of why it happened it's all very like Eleanor is very like clinical about it very logical Mm -hmm. like this is what's gonna happen and you know what I I feel really bad for whoever finds my body because it's gonna be here for a while and I really hope that the next people that live in this home are able to fill it with love in a way that I wasn't able to it's just very like it's a lot and it goes on for a lot longer than I thought it would too yeah the part about this that I did like, though, was that even in all of this, both the conclusion of it and also right before she goes back to her apartment, there are these moments of, like, there are people that care about her and mm-hmm. are worried about her, right? Like, so she goes to get the vodka, and she buys more vodka than she normally would at her corner store. And she and looks the guy, like shit, too. Like, and she, she looks like she's shit. She's very hungover when she does um, And so the guy who, like owns the corner corner store is like worried about her and concerned about her and she doesn't really clock that but like it is evident that this guy does mm-hmm. you know i'm not trying to be like oh the the corner store the guy who runs the corner store you never know he he might be your best friend waiting to happen but like there's there's a, a quote early on in this book i think that sammy says where he's like you think that like um the world is so terrible and there are all these bad people, but like there are good Samaritans still and there are people who care about people. Right. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. like the overwhelming vibe of this book is that even though like all of this really, re- and we'll get into the really, really tragic shit that happened to Eleanor, like there are still a lot of people who are like willing to care about her, you know, mm-hmm. and not willing to care about her, but just do care about her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just because they are human and she is human. And that's, that's what humans do as we learned in Starship Trooper. <laughs> so they care about each other and they leave no man behind oh, the bugs God. could never understand <laughs> commies <laughs> oh man <laughs> so a few days into this so the concert was tuesday night and i think raymond finally comes over on friday and he's like i got your address we're all worried about you like bob is super worried um what's going on and then Eleanor kind of just like passes out and I think Raymond starts putting the pieces together because he well I mean I know he does because he does that was stupid to say (laughs) (laughs) Raymond starts to put the pieces together period the entire apartment reeks of vodka she's there's vomit everywhere there's vomit everywhere she's still like covered in the makeup from the concert and he's like, I think something's amiss something's here. Something's happening. <laughs> I think what Eleanor's upset. <laughs> so Raymond Raymond cleans up, takes care of her. He flushes all the, the pills. He, you know, gets all the vodka out of the house, whatever. He makes sure she's okay, alive. And then he's like, you need to get help. You need to go to the hospital. You need to talk to your doctor. And you need to seek help, professional help. Um, and, and she does. And this this part of the book made me hate the American healthcare system so much. <laughs> it's like she got so much professional support. 
I will say I was reading a few blog posts and some people were saying that this was unrealistic, that oh, she damn. wouldn't be able to get counseling that quickly. So I don't know for sure how. But all the other stuff, that's the only yes. unrealistic part? because Yes, it's just I just I don't want to put, you know, things on a pedestal because then people will be like, well, actually. Um, but yes, obviously, like the fact that she was able to get this at all. And that, you know, like... For free. For free, essentially. And she had options in terms of her medical care. And um, two months of paid leave from work. Paid, yeah. fully paid leave from work. And and part of that might be her boss was as familiar with these issues because he had a sister that was also uh, clinically depressed. But and then, also the fact that her boss hired her after she had left her abusive boyfriend and showed up at his office. Her boss was such a a nice dude. Yeah, her boss is a true MVP. Probably could have paid them more, but truly I don't know how much Eleanor was making, so that could just be her It seemed like it was enough because she kept saying like, oh, this will cost so much about stuff, but then bought it anyway. Mm -hmm. So I feel like... (laughs) She probably had quite the nest eggs. Not spending on anything but vodka. Yeah. So... Yeah, so she um, she goes to her GP, who then refers her to a psychiatrist who is able to help her work through these whatever is is going on. It's it's kind of a long – it's a journey because obviously they're not going to go into the first session and be like, okay, so tell me about your mom. Um, so this, this section is a little bit longer, but it was so uplifting to see Eleanor go on this journey. I don't know. I really like this part of the book. So this was probably my least favorite part of the book because really? I felt like it was like not sad enough. No, um, because I, like, I felt like it was like putting together the pieces that we had already mainly put together. Mm. Um, I was like, we were just I waiting. Mean, for guys, the there's there's only so many things that would cause her facial scarring and like would uh be a like a thing that when there's like red light she would have a reaction to that and like you know i'm i'm like it was guys it was a fire like it was a fire you guys yeah and her sister died in it which is why she's constantly saying stuff about like i wish i had a sibling there was a presence beside me that i missed i felt her little hand in mine i'm like i did think it was gonna be a twin but it was i did think twin for a second yes yeah so eventually it's revealed that um, in her therapy sessions that Eleanor's mother was very abusive. She had, she had Eleanor when she was young and her, I think, I think it is stated in the text, Eleanor, her, her mother was sexually assaulted and that led to a pregnancy. And so Eleanor is not what one would call a wanted child. Ellen in the first part of the book, Eleanor talks about her father and says that her mom talked about him in such like what her mother said was like he was a bad person like she didn't plan for this child etc etc and then later in the therapy session she says obviously I put it together and you know my mom was raped Mm -hmm. um I don't they never said anything about Marianne's father I'm assuming it's two different men but maybe not there's a six-year difference between the two but um her mother was very abusive woman um and did all kinds of terrible things to both her daughters who felt you know safest when they were both at school um and then finally one night um the mother attempted to restrain both her daughters and drug them um but Eleanor was able to escape and then the mom lit the house on fire and 
the da- the Marianne, the younger sister, and the mother passed away in the fire, died in the fire, passed away. But we don't find out that the mother died at that point. Yeah, yeah, that's later because in the book. we keep having conversations with mummy until the very end of the book. Yes, yes, yeah. I want to say passed away, but like passed away seemed too nice for what happened to the mom. So like she just she died. I wanted it to feel more angry. Well, this mom was a the- bitch. I mean, the mom was terrible. The thing that I thought was interesting, though, was how much I hated the mom. I mean, like, obviously, she's she was abusive. She was, you know, terrible. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the shit that really made me hate the mom was from the conversations Eleanor had with her, which we find out, you know, yes. we've already said. We find out at the very end, the mom also died in the fire. Eleanor's been either imagining or hallucinating these conversations. We don't get clarity on that. There mm-hmm. is a distinct difference. Yeah, she um, leads us to believe that her mother is in prison. And that she's calling from jail. Yeah. Yes. Um, So I will say that it seemed clear to me from the, not the, like once we understood that those conversations Eleanor was having were not real conversations with her mother, that the mother also most likely was suffering from extreme mental health issues, Mm -hmm. not to like pathologize fictional characters who don't have, um, diagnoses which we'll get into that also in a second in regards to Eleanor but like seemed like the mom probably had some sort of extreme depression and probably schizophrenia or something like that Mm -hmm. um and like there is a comment that Eleanor makes that her mom says about like you do what you have to when you feel like you don't have any other choices and it's like Obviously, killing your children is never the correct answer, but if you are someone who was raped at 19 and had to then care for that child, I do see how that could maybe cause extreme mental anguish to you and you need help for that. Yes, Um, yeah. So I did did think that it was kind of hard because it was like this book did so much to rightfully villainize Eleanor's mother, but then a lot of the stuff that villainized her was undone at the end because it was like oh but none of that was real like it was just the stuff that was the abuse which we didn't really hear much that much about yeah it was mainly the conversations with her mom now which were horrible but then at the end it's like oh well none of those were real and it's like okay (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) which i'm not saying that i necessarily wanted graphic depictions of child abuse but like Yeah. yeah yeah you've undone a lot of your 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 work here <laughs> yeah yeah because like it's not clear if those were things that she had actually said to Eleanor mm-hmm. before or if it's just Eleanor's internalized thoughts about yeah. herself so and it also very much seemed like her mother was some like pathological liar and narcissist yes. and you know had a lot of issues going on that she should have gotten treatment for yes but also I have to point out points for Raymond here again in this point because he, as we said he researched what happened to Eleanor before Eleanor mm. was ready to find out. And he knew that Eleanor's mom was dead. And Eleanor yeah. kept talking to him about how she talked to her mom on the regular. And he just didn't, he didn't like, he gave her a look and Eleanor's like, I didn't understand what the look meant. We did. Uh, but <laughs> it, I was like, damn, Raymond, you did not treat her any differently after that. That was very cool. Thank you, Raymond, for being <laughs> a good friend. Like, honestly, you find out, you find out that your friend's parent is dead and that they're like, yeah, I talked to her on Wednesday, but you know that that parent has been dead since this girl was 10. I'm trying to remember, he didn't know about that. He didn't do the research until after she started therapy, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I guess at that point, it's kind of like, well, she's in therapy. She's in She'll therapy. get yeah, to it yeah. at some point, you know? 
yeah. it's not my place to to push this mm-hmm. which again very mature yeah yeah not a lot of people i feel like would have reacted the same way so yeah it's like this is this is very clearly above raymond's pay grade i also like that that you know like raymond was like not trying to be like as much as i was like he's a manic pixie dream boy at the same time he's not trying to be like i will fix this girl he's like no this is above my pay grade and yes. she needs a therapist yeah like, he's like i can't do this anymore like i can i can change sheets <laughs> i can clean up stains i can flush pills down a toilet i cannot fix eleanor i can be there as a friend and support but i can i am not professionally <laughs> trained to handle this amount yes. of trauma like yeah which is nice because then it removes this like the codependency narrative that you see a lot where yeah yeah on the flip side a thing that i didn't like about this book in regards to his treatment of mental health was how eleanor was like fuck pills i was like mm, i get that that is like a a relatable that is a decision like, some people make a but... decision some people make it's a decision i've made in the past too but i also am kind of like i wish there was a counterpoint to that somewhere yes. in this book you know yes yes i agree i i think there's another well okay and got and then eleanor She's fine in the end. Well, not fine, but she's working on becoming fine. Yeah, that's the end of the book. That's the end of the plot. Um, the other thing <laughs> along those lines of the the pill comment, there was a lot of um, fat phobic comments in I'm here. I'm glad you brought this up. Yes. Yes. That really bothered me because we Eleanor Eleanor says a couple times in the book like this. Mummy always said this, and then Eleanor says those things as well about people throughout the book and then she goes through therapy and then she comes to the realization and then at the end of the book she's like well you know there's a lot of reasons someone can be fat so it's not good to judge you know people for being overweight but then like that doesn't excuse like everything else that you said throughout the whole rest of the book <laughs> like there are a couple couple things I wanted to push back on um the the author's I guess attempt to uh fix her the fat phobia Eleanor was feeling like you know like like you said she's mm-hmm. like oh there's all of these reasons but most of those reasons were stuff like so maybe they're eating too much because they yes. they're so stressed maybe they don't have time to work out I'm like some people just are fat like yeah that's fine like I think the better conclusion there to come to is like people's bodies look different and that's okay Right. Instead of I'm it not being think like about it anymore, because <laughs> I felt like the way that I felt that the way that she kind of phrased it was less like, "Hey, people are different shapes, and that's fine," and more like, "Well, being fat is bad, but they might have a reason for being fat, and I shouldn't judge the fact yes. that they're fat." And it's yeah. like, no, that's that not it. Really. And then also, I I would almost give the book a pass ish on the fat phobia thing in the okay it's from Eleanor's perspective and Eleanor has this deep lingering fat phobia from her mother etc etc except that I'm pretty sure Sammy says some fat phobic shit at one point and he's supposed to he says um something about like on tv uh, like all the fatties dancing on tv as in regards to like oh like why he why he doesn't want to watch tv because it's yeah, just fatties like dancing on tv sort of situation something yes yes yeah. yes and I'm like bro like, yeah also not a good look. You're you're supposed to be like the good good-hearted kind old man who, you know, and I'm like so I feel like this isn't and I get that there's like a difference in like language in mm. the UK versus the US and how we treat like how we discuss the issue of being fat in the two places. Um but I think in general the like I know the US has its own problems and I'm not going to like 
act like we're perfect because we're obviously we're not, not. But I do think that the UK is a little bit meaner to fat people. Like, mm. I think that in general they haven't quite had that. Um, like, I feel like they're still used to just as a punchline a lot more. Not to say that that that's not true in America. You know what? Never mind. Everyone's just terrible to fat people, and we need to stop. Like, this is true. <laughs> Yeah, so that was another huge issue I had with this book that was like, I really, I really do Mm -hmm. um, enjoy Eleanor, but I don't care for that takeaway. Yeah, 100% agree on that. Yeah, yeah. And then I think we've we've, uh, danced about it a bit. Um, Yes. Let's talk about the autism of it all. Yes. Um, So after this book came out, some people were like, Eleanor's autistic. The author said, no, she's not. Because her issues are all nurture, not nature. Mm-hmm. So where does that leave us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I um, kind of, I here's here's our backstory um, behind the scenes. I kind of panic texted um, after mm-hmm. like 20 minutes into this book. And I was like, what are the optics of this unit when the main character very clearly has autism or some other, you know, some something else going on is that not is, is not neurotypical neuros yes thank you thank you I cannot think of the phrase my brain is not working what are the optics on us calling Eleanor or discussing whether or not Eleanor is a garbage girl if she is neurodivergent in some way because it just felt like after those first 20 pages mm-hmm. I was like there are a lot of signs pointing towards Eleanor having like she's got she's got problems with um like emotional, like her emotions are all over the place. She has, she mm-hmm. wants this very regimented schedule all the time. It's just like, it's a lot of things that the author is doing in the text to portray Eleanor a certain way, but then is going back, you know, after the book is written and saying, oh no, 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 that, that wasn't. Yes. So it feels a little bit like irresponsible. I don't know. This is a thing that I think comes up a lot with um, autism specifically in that like, a lot of characters get auti- like coded as autistic and then the author and not even necessarily coded as like actually autistic because I, I read a couple of blog, blog posts blog posts from um, like autistic bloggers and I'll make sure to link those in the description. Um, so go check them out uh, about this book and like uh, kind of their response to it. But there's a lot of media in which someone will be coded in ways that are stereotypes of autistic people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Eleanor certainly is like, I definitely Mm -hmm. see why people were saying she is autistic. So on on the one regard, people who are autistic can theoretically read that and be like, I see myself in this person and I like it. And then the author gets brownie points for that. But then if it goes poorly, the author can turn around and be like, no, 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 they're not autistic. Right. Because I never said it. Um, I, I will say after reading this book, I do not think Eleanor is autistic. And, uh, and again, this is us pathologizing a fictional character, which is in some ways immensely unhelpful, but I don't think that she is autistic because like the author said, she is most of the things that are autism stereotypes that apply to her are things that are specifically because of her trauma. Yes. There is no evidence that she would be that way about those things like her schedule and the fact that like even some of them get resolved by the end of the book. Like she Mm -hmm. says, I don't like touching, which is a very typical thing for um, 
autistic people to experience is that they don't like certain types of uh like physical contact sensory yeah yeah but that gets resolved by the end of the book she does like touching she just was unaccustomed to it right yes yes and there were a couple things like that where it was like sensory stuff or things like that where it it gets fixed by the end of the book and we know that you can't and this is incredibly disrespectful to even phrase it this way but you can't fix autism right because autism doesn't need to be fixed in that way Mm -hmm. but with all of that being said, what we are still left with is a character who fits autistic tropes at the beginning mm-hmm. and definitely is neuro, uh, neurodivergent in that she is extremely affected by PTSD, mm-hmm. um, by she's trauma. A different window with which she's viewing the whole world. She almost certainly uh, underwent like uh attachment disorders in childhood Mm -hmm. because of the way she was raised she's a victim of abuse and to what extent is this an appropriate story to tell by someone who from all accounts has not undergone these things Mm -hmm. um there's kind of like i don't think that it's a good idea to say only people who have been traumatized in this exact way can tell those stories Mm -hmm. because a creativity and imagination and empathizing are things that are used in writing and B that then puts the um, pressure on authors to divulge things that they don't necessarily want or need to to divulge. Mm -hmm. Um, All that being said, it is still kind of like how much are we supposed to empathize with Eleanor and how much are we supposed to be laughing at her? Right? Like how much of this is supposed to be humorous and how much are, is it assumed that the audience is neurotypical themselves? And Mm -hmm. I don't know that I, which is why I said like, I enjoyed reading this book, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, like I can't be like, this book was amazing and great because I do have some reticence about, uh, how, how Eleanor's trauma is being used you know yes yeah that was kind of like the same thing i uh fell into too like as once you get past like the like the introduction of eleanor and like the seeing what her day-to-day life is and then watching her change as her life changes it you do see that shift Mm -hmm. but yeah i think there's a lot of questions there about writing if, if you are going to reach outside of your own experiences, writing responsibly in that way. Yeah. And I, we've seen a lot of this discussion, especially recently, about, like, white authors writing mm-hmm. characters of different um, cultures and ra- racial backgrounds. Oh, my God. I cannot talk. <laughs> characters that are different skin colors. How do I talk, Em? I don't know. <laughs> my brain is so fried. We've seen this conversation happening a lot lately with white authors writing um, people of color characters, POC characters. Mm. I can't do it today. <laughs> I can't sound intelligent today. I really can't. I, you, you have it. I don't know why you keep, like, you have the thing. I have the thing. It just, like, my brain is, <laughs> okay. You can do it. I believe in you. Take a deep breath. <gasps> We've seen, <laughs> now I'm saying it like. I'm leaving all of this in. No. Okay. We've seen this a lot recently. There's been a lot of conversation about white authors writing characters of color, people of color. Character- it's happening again, Em. It's the curse. I'm moving on from it. You can leave this in. You can- I don't care how much of it you leave in. Whatever. <laughs> 
and it is it has to varying degrees there's been a very popular new release where it's just it's 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 a, about a character who travels through time and goes to all kinds of different countries and everybody's white um and then i mean i'm sure there are even like there's more obvious egregious things that have gone on over the years and so it's just a matter of like how how do you write outside of your own experiences responsibly do you have sensitivity readers do you Mm -hmm. are you doing the research like you know it's 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 all not saying that you have to stay in your lane and you can only write about certain things certain people certain experiences because that's also not great because we all know the only people getting published are white people but like you know what do you do? I also, I also think though, um, with trauma specifically, it is even harder because again, even like trying to find sensitivity readers. That yeah, that's like why would you want to force someone to right to read yeah. a traumatic thing? Yeah. Um, and I remember, I remember back in when uh, uh, John Green came out with The Fault in Our Stars. This was mm. a big conversation then about like how we use illness as um. Like, yeah. was that exploitative, right? And some, mm-hmm. you know, people within that community who were uh, chronically ill or uh, undergoing cancer treatments, things like that, came down on both sides of, like, yeah. it's I, fine and it's it. not. I don't know if on yeah, this I think podcast, we did. but one of them, um, yeah. But I, I don't want to say that no stories about trauma should be written because that in itself would be Big wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, but at the same time, it... It is like how much of this was kind of, I made the joke earlier, trauma porn um, and how much of it is like, I I feel like it comes down on the side of being like an actual, like I said, I felt connected to Eleanor. I did not feel like I was laughing at Eleanor or like mm-hmm. disconnected from her in the way that would make her like a freak show character yeah no I don't think there's any point yeah where I like looked down on her or felt right any yeah I felt like what the author set out to do with Eleanor's personality got across but like also obviously parts of it didn't I don't know yeah and it I think it is hard also because like we don't have it so much with mental health I'm just like I get that you want to leave it vague so it can apply to different people in different situations. But at the same time, I really do feel that it is incredibly important to representation in terms of mental health, to name diagnoses, to diagnose, Mm -hmm. to have characters who can say, I have BPD or, uh, I have, like, I think she does say I have clinical depression. She says that. So, you know, bonus points for that. Um, but I think that it leaves so much wiggle room to have characters who kind of seem schizophrenic, but then the author can be like, no, I'm not. They're Actually, not schizophrenic. No. I'm not. Because yeah. then they have this like ability, if it comes across as like disingenuous or uh, uh, exploitative, that they can be like, oh, I'm not exploiting them because I never said they were that thing. Right? Yeah. And I definitely feel like Eleanor falls into, you know, a lot of, categories which again though she is at the beginning of her treatment so it's like maybe that wouldn't be helpful for her to you know have a specific like hey you have ptsd you know but like Mm -hmm. she does and we should say that because that's helpful for people with ptsd normalize it yeah 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 i agree 
Anyway. So very mixed feelings about this one. Right, right. <laughs> is what it boils down to. Yeah. Overall, I enjoyed reading it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about it as part of the cultural zeitgeist. It was. <laughs> this is like a hugely popular book. Yeah, um, and I had never heard of it. <laughs> you hadn't heard of it before? No. Mm. I think it was like uh like won a goodreads award or it's like reese witherspoon's book club or something yes yes she picked it but yeah Which no, also it's, made it's me think it was those, gonna like, be a rom-com <laughs> like if you walked into barnes and noble pre-covid times um it would be on like the front table all the time mm-hmm. like the buy two get one free sort of situation yeah like, you know as all popular paperback books be- are at one point in their lives indeed mm. All right, so we're continuing on with this unit with some other suggestions. Um, I think we've got all the suggestions that we need at this point, although, you know, if you really have one that you want us to check out, send it in. Maybe we'll read it in our free time. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we have that. Um, (laughs) Or it'll be a filler episode. What are you hoping to see in future Garbage Girl books? I think I want someone I can uh, unambiguously say is garbage. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I and I, I, you know what? There's part of me that like, I really want a because uh, this is our Heathcliff, so I really want to see a Darcy and mm. a Rochester. That would be great if we could somehow pull off the trifecta. Yes, yes. I want I want an examination of each of those categories, mm-hmm. uh, and a romance. I want yes, romance. yes, 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 yes. I feel like it needs to be more romance-centric um, mm-hmm. because that is what The Garbage Boy is all about, my friends. Yeah. And maybe this was going to get there if there was a sequel or if we had, like... Yeah. But I didn't I didn't want that at this point in Eleanor's story. A um, Midnight Sun-style <laughs> perspective swap where it's all from Raymond's point of view. Oh, God. Um, but that is actually what I was going to say is that I, I... And this is something that is not typical in romance in general, I feel like, is to have a... Which maybe maybe what I really want, maybe the only way to get that sweet, sweet garbage girl energy I crave is to look into the world of WLW romances. Um, yes. Maybe that's where it's hiding. I don't know. Yes. Because uh, I feel like romances in general, because they are a, a genre that is primarily written for, written by, and driven by female consumers, um, female writers, that generally they're from a female perspective. But I would very much like to see the garbage girl be the object of affection for our main character rather mm-hmm. than the main character. Yes, I agree. I have, I have high hopes for. Yeah. There's one the, I'm thinking of that I think is on our list that I think might, yes. might work. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to see though. We'll have That's to see. Mm-hmm. Oh, excited for it though. Yes. It's the fun unit. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. So thank you for your submission. Slub missions. You've been reading anything else? Yes, actually, I wasn't sad enough after I read this, so I read oh another really, really upsetting book um, that I'm going to tell you guys about now. <laughs> uh, so it was upsetting in a different way. It is called Invisible Chains by uh, Michelle Renee Lane, um, and it is about a slave in antebellum uh, Louisiana who is also practicing uh, a practicing magic user and gets entangled with a slight spoiler for like the first 50 or 60 pages, gets entangled with a vampire who I thought was going to be a garbage boy and turned out, spoilers, 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 to be a huge trash boy. And no. I- No. it was good. It was good. Oh, though. okay. Good it was trash like, boy. 
It w- I, no, no, no. He's a bad trash boy, but it was okay, a good bad book. Okay, bad trash boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was like, <laughs> it's kind of, of it's kind of like horror fantasy. And there's a lot of like very graphic stuff in terms of both gore and sexual assault. So if that is not a thing for you, don't check this book out. But otherwise, really liked the world it created, really liked the main character, thought she was awesome. Um, and I liked how it was exploring, you know, the the themes of abuse and trauma in this very different time period with very different types of trauma. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was another very uh, upsetting book, but it was also more action packed than this one because it, there were like vampires and shit. So nice. it, it's it was more good. Plot. It was good. Check it out if it sounds like um, it would be a thing you're into. And also like. I have said before I want to read more horror, so I was very happy to have read this one. Nice. I'll check that one out. You know I like a good vampire book. You know I'm trash for vampires. It is very, very upsetting in some manners, though. Like, full, full content warning. There is okay. a lot of upsetting stuff in it. So We'll keep this in mind. Be, be forewarned. Forewarned is forearmed. I'll read as far as I can and then make you give me the rest of the It'll book. be about two pages, I think, before Excellent. you really get Excellent. into the shit. Anyway, how about you? What you got? Um, I have terrible time management skills, and also on top of that, I started playing Animal Crossing again. So, um, the book I planned on reading, <laughs> I had one picked out and everything, uh, <laughs> and I read, I think, let me see how many pages I got into it. I think it's like three. Um, uh, I started reading it, and then I was like, oh, I have to go see how much my turnips cost today. <laughs> uh, I made, oh, I made it 21 out of 130 pages in, so that's not bad. That's not bad. Anyway. The book is Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Morata, and it is, it's just this novella about a, uh, a Japanese woman who has been working at the same convenience store. She's in her mid-30s, and she's been working at this convenience store for mm-hmm. half her life. It's kind of a dead-end job, and people are like, you need to like move on and do something with your life. Um, and also, I think she's a sociopath is the other thing. Huh. So the the first few pages that I read are her, like, recounting her childhood of, like, I did not understand why people said what I did was wrong mm. or bad. And she would, like, have very, like, out there reactions to, like, you know, oh, my teacher was yelling at everybody and we were all wanted her to stop. So I went up and I pulled her skirt and pants and her underwear down and that made her stop talking. But I don't know why I got in trouble for that. So it's, like, <laughs> that kind of situation. I don't know where it's going to go. Um, but it seemed like it fit the prompt um, of just like, I don't know. I don't know what this unit is. Um, and then I also, on the flip side, uh, I don't know if I mentioned on this podcast yet, but I did read the, uh, oh, the Holly Black trilogy that starts with the Cruel Prince. Oh, Cruel Prince, yeah. The, the, the Folk of Air and yeah, Fire yeah. or something like that. I don't know. Song of Ice and Fire. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but it starts with Coral Prince, and that's a garbage boy if oh, I ever read one. He is a tasty, tasty garbage boy. He is of, such a good garbage he boy. He seems to I be type, type card. one, but then he kind of turns into type three, but then he's really type two. Yes. It, he runs the whole gamut, mm-hmm. and it's satisfying. Um, I think the, here, 
I'm going to reveal. Em, you got me the first book in the trilogy for my birthday like two years ago, and I just yeah. now read it. I'm so sorry. Eh, but we've all got I, we've all got that pile of books that we're going to get to this someday. This is true. This is true. This was after we went on vacation, and Em, like, brought the book. And she's like, I'm going to bring it so you can read it on vacation. And then I didn't. And then she got it for me <laughs> for my birthday, and I didn't read it until two years later. But I did immediately buy the next two books in the series after I read it. And I read it all in one weekend. Um, I loved it. It is very like it's 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 a like YA slash new adult trilogy about the Fae and political intrigue, which you know I like, and assassin stabby stuff, which you know I love, um, and garbage boys, which you also know I love. <laughs> so it was trifecta. Yeah, I do agree with you that it could have been two books. No, yeah. I was I was saying it should have been four. Four. Yeah, I was oh, saying. Oh, I thought you were saying it should have been two. No, I was saying book three should have oh. been split into two books because oh, I see, and then there spent was more like, time on each. Yes, because there was like a conclusion, and then it was like just kidding, not a conclusion, and then yes. neither of them were satisfying. Yes, I agree. The third book was it was way too, it was the shortest of them all and way too short. Um, yes, yeah, I agree with both those. It could have been two books where you cut out a lot of the. It stuff should have been in the more books book. or fewer or fewer. It should not have just been three. <laughs> it was wrong. That was the wrong choice. <laughs> So keep that in mind if you do decide to pick it up. It is it, whatever you think. That of. you'll either want more or less. Yes. Yeah. So ha- whatever you think of this YA new adult trilogy stuff that happens all the time. Whatever. Just read it. I liked it. Um, and then, yeah, Animal Crossing. So got to gotta build cool. my island up again. All right. Um, so next week we've got another Animorphs with Animorphs number 35 the proposal hmm do you think jake and cassie are going to get proposed to each other i sure hope so find out next week child bride animorph (laughs) style and then the week after that we are going to be back with the second book in my current unit which is the great detective novel um anna what's our second book gonna be our second book is going to be Murder on the Orient Express by Agatha Christie. Of yeah, course, yeah, yeah, you yeah, move yeah. from Holmes to Poirot. Of course, Must. of course. I already know you're not going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That's okay. Maybe you might. Maybe there will be some things in there that redeem it for you. But I already tell you, Poirot's style of solving mysteries is you know pretty it's, pretty Holmesian isn't it yeah he just plucks it out of thin air at the end and you're like I could that character wasn't even introduced what <laughs> so that's good I love it love some Agatha Christie great Dan Stevens's audiobook is very good <laughs> in the meantime if you have any books you would like us to cover on the podcast or any units you would like us to discuss you can always tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Because if you don't, there's no jokes. This book wasn't a funny book. It was a sad book. I don't have a joke relating <laughs> to this book. Uh, but you should just subscribe. If you use Apple Podcasts, uh, very, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you do not use Apple Podcasts, that's A-OK, because you're allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like. In the words of Gail Honeyman, 
I had intended to buy Alphabetti spaghetti, but on impulse chose hoops instead. It's good to keep an open mind, although I'm well aware that hoops and letters all taste the same. I'm not stupid. <laughs> I think that was that was the one of the quotes I had picked as well, so that's a good one. I keep wanting to say Honeycut, which I think is an actress or something, but that's Matilda, isn't it? Maybe, maybe the nice teacher. No, that's just Miss Honey. Maybe. Oh, Honey Bottom. Mm. Um, <laughs> honey Bottom jeans, <laughs> boots with the fur. 